So over to Ian. I wonder how you've been spending your time in lockdown. Have you taken the opportunity to uh, catch up on some things? Maybe some of your reading, you've bought some books and now you've had at last the opportunity to read them. You may be going on to Netflix or Amazon and binge watching those shows that uh, you didn't have a chance to see first time round. Or perhaps the DIY tasks have finally caught up with you and uh, the opportunity to paint that shed. Or it could be you're just putting your craft skills to the test. I'm also aware that there are some people at this time who are absolutely crazy busy. Uh, maybe they're still at work, perhaps they're holding up for uh, absent colleagues and they've never been so busy. Or maybe your reaction to the lockdown is more akin to this. <sighs> I'm just bored. I can't get anything done. Well, I'm pleased to report that I've managed to spend a little bit of my uh, extra downtime actually not watching something new. I've been re-watching the Star Wars trilogy, the first three, and I've really enjoyed watching them. And I'm glad I did because they gave me a way of unlocking our Bible passage this morning. But I'll tell you more about that in a moment. This Sunday sees the first of a new series of uh, Bible passages that we're going to study uh, on the Sunday morning. We're dipping into the book of 1 Peter. Let's start with this fairly familiar diagram, which if you did the Bible course recently, you'll recognise. 1 Peter is in the New Testament, and it's one of a selection of letters written by various people. We're going to look at the first nine verses this morning, and David Basson is going to read them to us now. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. Blessed be God the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you've had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thank you, David. So that's the opening of Peter's letter to these new Christians. And it follows the pattern of all ancient letters in that it begins by saying who's written it. It's from Peter. Peter also reminds his readers that he is an apostle a leader of the early church, 
with the task of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The letter then identifies who it is written for. Now, some New Testament letters were written for individuals, such as Timothy or Philemon. Other letters were written to whole churches and are named after the town or city where that church met, Corinth, Ephesus or Rome. This letter, in contrast, is written to a number of unnamed people. But what they have in common is that they are identified by Peter as being exiles of the dispersion. They lived in what today we would call northern Turkey, in a cluster of places. And this letter is written to new Christians living in a small part of the Roman Empire. They've started following Jesus. They're described as exiles. Now, an exile is someone who doesn't feel at home. They may not feel accepted. And these Christians, we know they were facing persecution and tough times because of their faith. From verse 3, the letter begins in earnest. And these verses provide an overview of the ideas and themes that Peter will develop later on in the letter. I must confess that I found it difficult to get to grips with this opening. One of the things I did was I reread the passage, but in a different version of the Bible. David a moment ago read the passage from the version that we have in church. But I also read it in a version that we tend to use with the Encounters group on Sunday morning. This Bible translation uses everyday language. It's still the word of God, but uses more contemporary vocabulary. And as I read and reread the passage, I could see a number of ideas which were going to be really helpful for these communities of newish Christians. And I think they could be helpful to us too. Living as we do in exile, in a world which perhaps doesn't fully understand or accept what it means to be a Christian. Perhaps we're just feeling a bit in exile, exile from normality. And this is also where my re-watching of those Star Wars films helped bring the Bible passage into focus. Now just stay with me, because it might help you. The first Star Wars film was released in 1977, when I was a teenager, and it's subtitled A New Hope. Even if you've never seen the film, you'll be aware, I'm sure, that it's a film of heroes and villains. Darth Vader represents all that is evil, and his side are developing a terrifying new weapon called the Death Star, which, when it's up and running, will have the ability to destroy planets. The film begins by introducing a small robot who, we discover, holds the design plans of the Death Star. Perhaps, using these stolen plans, our heroes can destroy the Death Star and save the day. So Star Wars A New Hope has a plan at its heart. And in this early section of the letter, Peter reminds his readers about another plan. And it's there in the second verse. God the Father decided to choose you as his people. This is a personal you. You are God's choice. So following Jesus is not a chance happening. It is something surrounded by God's choice of us. Once in my life I was headhunted. That sounds probably grander than it actually was. I was teaching in a school and a former colleague who'd gone on to be the head teacher of another school, out of the blue one day, contacted me. 
There's going to be a job advertised at my new school, they said. It's not in your subject, and you'd never think of applying for it, but I'd be grateful if you would. It was an extraordinary moment. Someone chose me. And that's a very encouraging idea for all of us, isn't it? The idea that we are chosen, whether we're chosen by our friends or we're chosen by our life partners. The act of being chosen is special. So Peter's encouragement to these new Christians is, you've been chosen by God. It isn't a new idea. Back in the Psalms, David said, even before I was born, you had written in your book, everything I would do. And the same idea is picked up in verse 5. You have faith in God whose power will protect you until the last day. Then he will save you, just as he always planned to do. Incidentally, that is not power to prevent difficult and unpleasant things happening. It's the power to ensure that ultimately God will save them and they will spend their eternity with God. There it is again, a plan. God's plan. He will save because it is his plan. Now perhaps the idea that God has chosen us and there is a plan for our lives causes problems. Where is free will and our ability to choose in that? Surely if I am a follower of Jesus it's because I've made a choice. I've made a decision in the way that Peter chose to follow Jesus. I think we need to hold on to both ideas. The idea of being chosen by God is in Scripture, not just in this passage, but throughout the Old and New Testaments. You can see indications of God choosing people, God knowing who he's going to use. So it's a right and proper biblical idea. But so too is the call for individuals to repent and follow Jesus. We can decide to follow or we can decide to reject Jesus. And I think when apparently contradictory ideas exist in scripture, actually the best thing to do is to hold on to both of them. Perhaps it is the difference between God's timeless view of me against my time-restricted view. But the good news is, wherever we are, whatever stage in life, whatever issues, problems or blessings we experience, we can have confidence that God, who has this eternal view of us, this God who has chosen us according to his eternal plan will never let us go. The second Star Wars film was called The Empire Strikes Back. The Empire, having had their Death Star destroyed in the first film, come back with a vengeance. They are all over the good guys. They attack their base and our heroes have to escape for their lives. And it seems in that film, wherever they turn, someone wants to destroy them or do them harm. And this is what the Christians who Peter was writing to were facing. It felt like everyone was after them. They were being persecuted. They were facing daily difficulties and some will have faced death because of their faith. Peter doesn't brush off their situation. Absolutely not. He acknowledges their predicament. He identifies the hard trials. People in the Roman Empire had to swear allegiance to the emperor by acknowledging that the emperor was son of God. Of course, Christians can't do that. There's only one son of God, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And this put them into a very difficult situation. Refusing to give homage to the emperor 
could be a life or death situation. From time to time we all face trials, having to tell other people what we believe, not following the world's way, standing up for people or situations that need challenging, facing serious illness, struggling with doubt, anxiety. These are all trials that we face. And Peter said, your faith will be like gold that has been tested in a fire. I think gold mining has a bit of a romantic picture to it. Today, most of our gold comes from the developing world. Here's a picture in Brazil. The gold is mined using jets of water to blast away the rock which contains the gold. And the mud slurry flows into tanks where a series of processes work to extract the gold away from the waste material. Today, some of this separation is done by pretty nasty chemicals. But eventually, gold has to be heated in a furnace. And in doing so, it is improved by fire. If you heat up gold, the impurities rise to the surface of the molten mixture. You can see the impurities in this molten gold as the dark blobs. If the impurities are scraped off and removed, then the gold becomes more pure and has greater value. So how should we understand hard times? Peter is suggesting that it's through difficult time that God can purify us, to build us up spiritually and to make us stronger. Do you remember the first video Gavin put out just before lockdown? So during this crisis, I want you to think about what you're going to do to keep your worship and prayer life going. Uh, what are you going to do to keep reading the Bible? There's loads of ideas on our website. Have a look at that. What are you going to do to keep praying? Maybe you need to set yourself a, a discipline and a schedule of how you're going to do that. I'd love you also to be looking at how you can be good news to the people around you, bringing life and hope and joy. Gavin was spot on. These strange times are, in a way, a trial. They are difficult, they mess with our minds, they cause upset, but they are at the same time a spiritual opportunity to develop our faith through prayer, Bible reading, fellowship, worship, silent reflection. God can use times of trial to deepen our faith. Like gold, we become purified. I was reminded of some words written by C.S. Lewis, the author of the Narnia Chronicles. He didn't just write children's books, he also wrote books about the Christian faith. In The Problem of Pain, C.S. Lewis looks at the whole issue of suffering in God's world. Now, while not providing a complete answer, and Lewis would argue that it's not possible this side of heaven to fully understand and explain why there is pain and suffering, he wrote this. We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world, it plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. So in C.S. Lewis's mind, suffering, discomfort, difficulties, pain can be used by God to actually draw us closer to him so that we draw on God's resources and appreciate that through the difficulties, when and as we turn to God, it can be a purifying, faith-deepening experience. While we're at it, it may not be a bad moment to look away from ourselves and the difficulties we face and look to other Christians in today's world who are suffering for their faith. This week I was looking at the Open Doors website. 
Open Doors is a Christian charity which exists to serve persecuted Christians around the world. Reading about what others face every day actually puts our trials and difficulties into perspective. So something you might wish to do this week is to look at the work of Open Doors or other groups who support the persecuted church worldwide. For as Paul encourages us, we should as Christians join our brothers and sisters, rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. One final thought from Peter. He sees that despite never having seen Jesus, his readers have faith and love in him. And do you notice the outcome? They are glad and happy. These Christians, scattered in exile, facing trial and persecution, follow a Jesus they believe in through the work of the Holy Spirit. And they are happy and glad. And what brings about this joy and happiness? It's these new Christians' perspective. It's there all through the opening passage and it will be picked up later in the letter. It's the encouragement they get through their knowledge of God. The fact that he has chosen them and knows all about them, that he has a plan for their lives and that through Jesus he has saved them. We may struggle now, but the eternal perspective is that due to God's plan, we are protected, our future is assured and our rightful response should be thankfulness.